You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, BJ. Alongside Matthew Shiles. I think I've asked you, what's your middle name? William. William. I don't know if I've ever asked. I'm not sure. Yeah, Matthew William Shiles. That sounds, yeah, that's that, a very, yeah. Flowy name. Very, yeah, I like it. It. Uh, I thought I was being announced for like the Orlando Magic for a second. That was nice. Matthew William Shiles. Yeah, well, I'm ready to yeah. play. Right, here you go. go. You're ready. You're ready. Well, hey, welcome, and uh, we... Are excited to be here. It's Monday, and I know this comes to you on a Wednesday, but uh, we had a full weekend this past weekend. We did. Yeah, loved it. We not only had a a sermon that was uh, action packed. Um, <laughs> obviously, anytime you're getting into uh, Acts 15, there's a lot there, and we didn't even cover the whole chapter. No, we didn't, because that was, so it's going to be a part two yeah. uh, intentionally. So I probably could have told everybody that, but it was going to be sure. a part one, part two. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to deal with part one, what is the gospel? Part two is, okay, now that you have the gospel, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So because the the gospel does do something to you. The, the reception of it yeah. truly does change you and transform you. So we'll, we'll see part two. But no, I wanted to be very clear on what the gospel is and obviously what the gospel was. I mean, that it was at stake yeah. in Acts 15. And, and it is fascinating because I've listened, you know, I listened to a couple of messages on it as well in preparation for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the late Tim Keller and then even J.D. Greer, they both would say that, you know, not a lot of people preach on Acts 15, in which I, again, you know, I came across some, but mm-hmm. it, just not a lot. I mean, and, so to you know, kind of almost kind of be working from at least from a sermon standpoint. Okay, you're developing, you're, you're kind of developing mm. it yourself. Which yeah. you know, a lot of times I like to listen to what other people have said. You know, just to make sure I'm on the right track. But there was only a handful sure. this this go round. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So um, we are back in Acts, and we'll be in Acts for a, a little while. Yeah. Um you have mentioned before that, you know, Acts is, is one of your favorite books to to preach through. Um why is that? Because it gives you the history of the early church. Like this is how God used his early church. Uh again, when you look at Acts, it's a historical document yeah. where Luke is recording what happened. So most of it is descriptive and not prescriptive. But what I mean by that is that he's just described he's just describing what transpired and he's not necessarily uh pre, you know kind of prescribing meaning that you have to do this. But what what is what is interesting so anytime you see the words of Jesus like at the very beginning uh, you need to listen to Jesus and then what what's going to happen with the spirit coming in Acts 2 is now the power has come. The spirit has come to empower his people now for ministry and mission in the world. And so now you are seeing the 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 description of what happens 
when you have God's people who have embraced the gospel now filled with the Spirit sent out to minister and to to be on mission. I mean, so so that's why I love it, just because I'm like, okay, well, you see what you, you see the way, you know, when I say the wake of the gospel. So, mm. you, you know, now well, here's what I mean by wake is all right. So if you are in a boat. There's a wake that is left behind. Like there's these waves, so you can see the wake of the gospel in a city. Like what? What does? What happens to a city when the gospel comes into yeah. the city through God's people? And yeah. so you. So that that's why I just because you want to see the effects of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You want to see the implications of the gospel, and so that's what you really do see in the book of Acts. You see a little bit of everything. Um, you see the good, the bad, the, the ugly, and what I mean by ugly, like the persecution that happens because of the gospel. And so that's why I love the book of Acts, because yeah. I've always, since I since I really became a student of, of the Bible and, and definitely of, of Acts, like I've always wanted to be a pastor that led a 21st century church uh in a manner that you see in the first century. Mm. So a basically a first century church that that lives and breathes in the 21st century. Mm. So what does it mean to ha- you know in some sense to be on mission, yeah. to have the gospel and to be Jesus's church in the 21st century. And so the way to do that is to contextualize what you actually see in the book of Acts mm. and bring it to bear in the 21st century. So that's why I like the book of Acts. Wonderful. So um, we'll be digging into uh, Acts 15, 1 through 19, and in this message was February 17th and 18th. And the main point was faith in the gospel saves you from the penalty of sin and welcomes you into the life of the king and his kingdom. So what our outline looked like was uh, we had three main points, but before we got there, you asked a couple questions to kind of lay the foundation And this was, why do we need the gospel? And then what is the gospel? I I love you uh, continually going back to uh, defining terms. And you mentioned Tim Keller earlier. It it reminded me of something he he talked about in terms of what's the difference between uh, Christendom and and a post-Christian nation and world. And one one of the things he said was, previously in Christendom, you're basically just connecting the dots for people. In a post-Christian world, the dots aren't there. And, and I really think that that's what you're helping us do yeah. is, is wherever we are, making sure that we just don't assume that we— Did you know what the dots are? Yeah. So yeah, you got you to create the, the dots. Yeah. Then you got to connect the dots. I mean, so it, it takes a little while longer. And, and, and as this transition has been occurring in our society, we can easily just say, oh, yeah, we, we know what the dots are. We've heard that term for our whole life. We know what they are, mm-hmm. um, but it's just not the case. No. Um, so it's it's refreshing to uh, to be able to um, you know allow ourselves to ask those questions and be challenged by that. Hey, let's make sure that um, that we we understand both individually and as as a body um, what these foundational ideas are, and it's um, and and I know that it's going to uh, produce fruit in mm-hmm. us. So. Um, again, this is um, this is a message that I just so appreciated you uh, you spending you know a fair amount of time on that before before you got into the the points. But it, it obviously wasn't um, wasn't separate from the message, but it was vital vital to it. Mm. 
So those two questions about the gospel, and then um, and then you laid out three points. The gospel is for all people, and thus will form a diverse community. Uh, the second is the gospel might get confused by some in that community. And this is where you talked about the high bar and the low bar of entry. And then finally, the gospel will need to be clarified in that community so they don't hinder people from being saved. Mm. Um, and then you, you wrapped it all up by this idea of how is one saved by the gospel. And, um, and again, something that we might take for granted, but mm. something that is so important and vital um, because, first of all, we have to recognize that there will always be people in the weekend gathering that are non-believers, are hearing this message for the first time. But we also can't assume that everybody understands those dots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it is uh, – it's wonderful for all of us to hear it, digest it, make sure we understand it. Hmm. And that really flowed well into – um, into baptisms, and yeah. that's where I want us to start. So yeah. um, let's just reflect on what happened this weekend. Um, a couple things that were were a little different. We had we had baptism shirts. Yeah. Everybody got to choose a, a word or a phrase. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. We had a, a video, yeah. um, which was, uh, for me, really, really impactful because we got to see just a, a little bit more into the glimpse of uh, of people's stories, right? Uh, trying to make it more personal, hmm. and we had forty one people, yeah, baptized, and that includes three from Celebrate Recovery, yep. on, on Friday. Friday night. Yep. So just talk about um, what this what this weekend meant for you when you reflect on all these baptisms. I think as many that I've seen in terms of uh, on their Facebook post or them telling me that they just love baptism. I mean, I do too, Mm -hmm. because it definitely, it shows the fruit Mm -hmm. of God's work among us, right? It shows that there are people that uh, have received the gospel, that they've embraced the gospel, that they have believed in the gospel, that they've had faith in the gospel. And couple of things about just the 41 people is that you saw all kinds of ages represented, um, you know, all kind of walks of life represented in different races, uh, ethnicities represented. And so that's a, that's a sign of, of healthiness in our midst that you definitely have people from, again, all kinds of, uh, again, di- diversity points mm. that are coming to faith in Christ. So it, so it's it's just a confirmation in terms of God's work in and through us. So that's one of the things that I love about baptism is just seeing that. Yeah. Uh, and I hope and pray, like I, I hope and pray that. I mean, if you're listening to this, I'm 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 assuming too that you, you're grateful for the the baptism mm-hmm. that we that we saw this past weekend. But I know that we were talking earlier, and staff is like, man, we saw a lot of people leave too. Like, oh, okay, preaching's over, music's over, let's leave. Like, I you know, I hope people don't I hope people don't take for granted uh, God's work among us, yeah. and how baptism is just an evidence. 
of that. And so I think we ought to, you know, I think we all want to stick around and celebrate that, that these are people that are publicly professing their faith in Jesus. And so, so I hope, I hope as we continue to do baptisms, that every person that would consider themselves a Northlander would mm-hmm. would see the importance of of sticking around or celebrating these men and women, young boys and girls that have uh, that have embraced, have received that they have uh, that they have uh, by faith received the message of the gospel, and now they're publicly professing that through baptism. Yeah, so. yeah, well said. In the uh... In the nine o'clock service, it was great because we were about to uh, about to close. We got out of the tub, and they said, "No, one more." So we got back in the tub. Yeah, you were about to close, and a couple and people they got one your more. attention. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That I mean, that yeah, that that was cool, and and that's something that we did see. All right, so obviously Friday we had the three from Celebrate Recovery. On Saturday, we definitely had another, you, you know, um, another one or two that came forward after. Yeah. Same thing at nine, and then also same thing at eleven. There were a couple of people that met me up at the front, yeah. and so I, you know, because we we had a message around the gospel. So yeah. you know, even if you hadn't signed up for baptism, yeah. you know, it felt like we were clear enough that hey, we could throw that out there to go. Hey, if there's anybody else that got a stirring on your heart that you want to follow, uh, you know, in this act of obedience and 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 profess publicly what you've just received, come do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so 41 people this past weekend. Yeah. So, and, and something incredible. We have a a family worshiping with us from the Middle East. Yeah, they are exploring Jesus and Christianity for the first time, and we got to. They had never heard the word baptism. They didn't know what the concept was. Um, so when we talked to them about it and, and right before the service, I was preparing them again. They were getting so excited. They said, can, can, we, can we stay and watch? Yeah. I said, yeah, you can, <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah. that's, the, that's the joy um, and anticipation that I hope we, we yeah. all have. And there are times where you, you know you can definitely see on some individuals' face, you can see on all of the individuals' faces, the joy of following through on on this act of obedience, and that's what it is. It's an act of obedience. So again, the act of obedience doesn't save you. The act of obedience comes as a result of you being saved. Mm. And so, but you can see joy on everybody's faces. But then there are some some individuals where you're like, man, this was. I mean, there, there's a deeper story and meaning there for them where they 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 weep, yeah, and, and they are emotional. But there's that there's that there's the anchor of joy behind it, and yeah. so and I just sit up there going, and I really am like so so this weekend I'm I was just able just to watch and observe and to celebrate, yeah, and uh, and just truly thanking the Lord that I get I just get to be a part of it, just a part of it, and Same. that that was that was my takeaway from this weekend. Same with baptism. Yeah, so. yeah, looking forward to doing it again. Um, so as you looking looking at the the sermon, as you began the sermon, so you're going through this week, you're doing message prep, and as you're doing message prep, prep, what pops in your head is Waldo. Well, yeah, as I was doing my message prep, I was like, Lord, I have no idea how to structure this message. Oh, really? I I mean, really? like, so I, I really didn't. I mean, I was, I mean, I had I had so many notes, and I'm like, okay, how, what what's the best way? I mean, what's the best way to capture it? Yeah. 
in a way, in some sense, that can take people on a journey yeah. um, and and not not feel too. I'm mean, gonna say like rigid. That doesn't you know. So I yeah. I'm like oh, I have no. Idea. But here's what I knew. I kept on coming back to is is clarity. They're clarifying the gospel. They're clarifying the gospel. Mm. You, you know. And so, but you know, how, okay. How do I take that? And you know. And so, um, and, and and yeah. And then I also knew that the children were going to be in the service with me. So that's where the whole Waldo thing kind of yeah, popped okay. up because I, you know, I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can make something, you know, make make something yeah. fit in terms of a connecting point. And I really did. I did not like the Where's Waldo growing up because I could like so so those images that I found like I I, I had to <laughs> I had to find I had to find the answer because I I could not find them. Come on. I'm well. I want like so, I, I'm. I'm mean, like I'm, maybe the one at the beach. I, you know, but there was the other one. I'm like I can't find. You know, so yeah. I had you know, there was a circle one, and I'm like okay, uh, yeah. So I just never really liked that because maybe maybe it's because I'm an impatient person. So that's my childhood in a picture. Okay, you, love you loved those. Where's Waldo? Especially okay. that first picture. Oh, okay, I had that book. Oh, did you? Okay, I yeah. remember that picture. Okay. And I would, I would look through. I, obviously, I would find Waldo, but then just the story that it told. Oh yeah, right. Because it's, uh, it's about him being on a journey, and he, so he loses fun. items, and so so much detail. Yeah, yeah. I would just spend hours pouring, that's, pouring over it. So I, I really appreciated. Yeah, you, uh, bringing you Waldo, but, that, but I think it, I think it connected because there are some people like when you just look at the image, yeah. you can be overwhelmed. Absolutely. Because there's a lot on that page, right? Right. And so I think that's what happens with the gospel. And and the fact that if you didn't know who Waldo is, somebody's going to have to at least show you a picture of Waldo so that you can kind of find Waldo. I think that's fascinating. And, and yeah. then, you know, okay, and now that you even know Waldo, sometimes you can get confused about where Waldo is because of all of the stuff on the page. Yeah. Well, and there's there's so many of their you know so many of the people are dressed in the shirt. Well, and so and that so that is another part. Of there there is some counterfeit Waldos. Yeah. So we didn't even talk That's about good. counterfeit gospels. I mean, but there there are counterfeit like so. I yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to get off track, but there are counterfeit gospels, and I think even one of the counterfeit gospels is like the low bar entry. I mean, even we yeah. were talking about some, but yeah. But at least even the high bar entry, at least here, they had the right Jesus. Mm. They were just adding some layers that would have prevented. Gentiles for coming to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but no, there are counterfeit, you know, gospels out there that are very similar to what you would find on a Where's Waldo page because there's some counterfeit Waldos. Just because they wear the shirt doesn't mean that they're Waldo. Yeah. So, I thought that was good. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> I loved it. Um, are Are they still popular today? I don't know. Are, are kids well, I, I, to I, well? So I asked the kids, and so they raised their hand. Like my kids knew who Waldo was. Okay, uh, but it was in the eighties. I mean, it was in the eighties when Waldo was. Uh, did you know that Waldo is the American version, but it actually originated in the UK, and it was Where's Wally? Wally. Yeah. So just I, I, I know, know some useless Waldo information for you. We're all uh, we're all smarter for it. Maybe yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's dig into this uh, this next question. You know, those two foundational questions um, before we get into those points. And and you asked why why do we need the gospel? And uh, and you took us all the way back. You know, something has gone wrong. What really? Why why is that important? Like 
isn't that so basic? Like, do we really need to go over that again? Yeah, I think so. I well, I, I think so uh, because I think it needs to be so ingrained that it just becomes part of our nature when we're telling the story. Mm. You we know, can't, we, we can't just take that for we can't leave that out of the story. I don't think. I, yeah. I think we're living in the day and age, especially when you have new people coming in. You, yeah. you know, like you just need to constantly rehearse it. It is part of our story. Mm. So I, you know, this was a couple of weeks ago. We had an all staff meeting, and I was sharing. We're just kind of walking through the Bible, and I'm trying to help the staff understand how do you even look at the Bible? Yeah. Uh, how do you break it down? Um, you know, into the the genres, the the you know, in some sense, the lumpings of. Mm-hmm. Of these various books, and so we looked at the first five books of the Bible. So the many people refer to it as the Torah. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I'll actually talk about this in the series uh, that 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 I begin next year in Genesis. But yeah. so when was when 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 um, was uh, well. When were these books written? Well, they were written during the wilderness kind of period because Moses, most scholars would would agree that Moses wrote these. Okay, well, so if you if you understand, so they just got out of Egypt, and so sure they're they're kind of in an oral culture. So there there's the be there there's a thing there's these things that have at least been passed down to a degree. Yeah. But they they cry out to the Lord, and God sends Moses. But now they're in the wilderness. Okay, what? What do they need to know? They need to know the beginning. Right. They need to know where it all started, what went wrong, and where they fit into the story. Yeah. And so if you really want to understand your life in the present and where your life is going from the present to the future, you need to know you need to know where it began. Mm. And so that's why for me it's always important to always go back uh, to the beginning, because that gives us a good starting point and foundational point mm. to build off of to help understand the present, but also where we're going in the future. Mm. So that's why I keep, hey, I, I'll do it. And I'll actually do it, uh, too. I won't go all the way back to Genesis. I don't think this go around this next message, but I'm definitely going to go back to the Old Testament because it's there, you, you know. Well, it is really helping us with this idea of biblical illiteracy. Yeah. Um, and we, we we can't just obviously take take it for granted. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's um, an incredible point and something for us to continue to um, um, make sure is ingrained. Right when you are spending time teaching us to set up a message, that that's not when longtime believers get to tune out and say, "I've heard this before." Yeah. Right. That's when we really need to dig in. Yeah. And make sure, hey, are, are we getting this? ingrained into us because you're spending time on it it's important yeah well and like so take take this particular you know message and i know i mean and i I know there's been multiple messages where i stressed the royalty aspect of adam and eve Mm -hmm. now in the engage series i didn't you know because I there was a whole other point that I was trying to make in terms of your engagement with church. Like, what does it mean to engage God's church? And so, even when I would go back to Adam and Eve, I'm trying to bring out the connect, cultivate, care, and commission. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, when I'm really trying to explain the gospel, knowing that I'm moving towards this idea of king royalty that is part of the the, the good news announcement, I want to stress that again. I want to stress the 
royalty aspect of Adam and Eve, that God did create them in his image. He puts them on earth and gives them this element of exercising dominion, which is a a kingly Mm. type of command, is that I want you to exercise a rule, but I don't want it to be your own rule. I want want you to exercise my rule Mm. on earth. And so, so Adam and Eve were created as God's vice regents, as part of royalty, mm. king and queen, but instead of being the king and queen under the authority of the cosmic king, what you have is they're like, well, I want to, we want to be our own king and queen. Like we've just been, well, we, we've just been tempted that, hey, listen, uh, you've been holding out on us. Mm. And so uh, we're, we're going to go that route. Mm. And what you see, though, with the gospel is that not only has the better Adam come to earth, but he also happens to be the cosmic king. So he 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 is now uniting heaven and earth together, mm. which is why Jesus is the God man. He's uniting right. heaven and earth right. because Adam couldn't do it. Right. And so but now in Jesus, who is the Son of God, so he's God in flesh he is uniting heaven and earth under his cosmic hmm. rule, hmm. but he's also human. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So that gets us into that next question, obviously, the importance of why we need the gospel and now what is the gospel. Uh, there's a few things here. Um, we broke down the the word euangelion, yep. right? And, um, and it had it had uses prior to you know being used in the bible so so this was this idea of military conquest right so the messenger would be sent to declare this idea of of good news um Anything, anything new you learned about that in your study this week, or is that something you've? That's something that I mean. For years, I mean, I, I learned it years ago. Yeah. Like there was a there was a book that I read by Michael Horton, and I, don't ask me to you know give you the full on out name of it, but it had to do with good news okay. um, yeah. for God's people or something like I, something like that. Yeah. But uh, you know, I put it in my notes when I was studying, and he he writes this. Now, the gospel is simply good news, particularly associated with military battle. So, a runner would return to the capital from the battlefield with the announcement, the good news of success on the battlefield. So, it's a victory report. It's sort of like the headlines that that people heard about from World War II. That when it was concluded, victory in Europe. That is exactly what the gospel is, and that's why it's not just good news because of its content. It's good news in the form of its delivery. So there's there's the content that's good news, but also the delivery is Mm -hmm. good. You you know, kind of news. So, Mm -hmm. but that's actually where I first learned the con. You know, kind of a deeper, more Greco-Roman context of the word gospel. Mm -hmm. And I, I, gosh, I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes you know some sense. It it brings the Bible to high def, yeah. You know, so it okay. so it wasn't something new, but it is. It was it was new to me years ago, yeah. Uh, but it was something, yeah, that I'm constantly now trying to stress. But okay. one of the things I guess I did, you know, see a little bit uh, more is that there there's an inscription on one of like Caesar's like statues about the Evangelion about his birthday. Oh, you know, okay. so so that so it really was around. 
the, these kind of significant events that happen usually in the context of royalty. Usually, not always, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely military battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely around ro- kind of royalty, Caesar. You know, so so th- those are a little some uh, additional things that I definitely learned. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that you said it. It helps to to bring it into high def. Um, certainly, I um, I felt that. So in this section as well, you gave us a biblical definition of the gospel. You didn't give us the biblical definition, yeah. but you said a biblical definition. Yep. Um, and yeah, th- this is a little different than what you have given before. Um, it's uh, I can see how it is. Um, Longer, a little more fuller, and yeah. I think it builds on what we've been kind of going through. And I'll read it for us. It says, God has sent the rightful king of all creation, Jesus Christ, to earth, who through his substitutionary death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is in the process of redeeming and restoring human beings from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and the cosmos from the curse of sin. And... um in another variation of that, this is the one I've, I've heard you yeah. share, is the rightful cosmic king has come, and through his death and resurrection, he is making all things new. Yeah. Where did this uh, this biblical definition of the gospel, that first yeah, one? I'll, I'll just from? read you a couple other definitions that I have come across. Okay. And so uh, N.T. Wright, in his book, Simply Good News, uh, he states that the royal announcement that the crucified risen Jesus who died for our sins and rose again has been enthroned as the true Lord of the cosmos. So he's saying he would say that that's the gospel. And sometimes if, you know, if he wants to summarize it, he would just say that the, that, 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 that the cosmic king has come, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so there's, there's this royal announcement that, hey, he's come and, uh, you, you need to, Pay attention, you know. Uh, Another one, John Piper. uh, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again so that there is no condemnation for those who believe, only everlasting joy. Mm. Tim Mm. Keller says, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us from judgment, uh, from sin, into fellowship with him, and then restores creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him forever. Mm. So that's Tim Keller. And some people would say that the gospel is not good advice. It isn't something that you do. It's something that has already been done from you. Mm. Um, and then Michael Horton, here's what he would say in terms of the gospel. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sin of his people, raise uh, the uh, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace. Mm. So, so you, so that's where, like, I, you know, again, I didn't want to bore people, uh, you know, in terms of this past weekend and putting all these definitions up, yeah. you know. But when you take these definitions and more, like, so I'm not just kind of, cra- you know, so I'm crafting this from my understanding of scripture, yeah. uh, but also from other people and what they have written. But you know, really try to craft it in my own voice. Yeah. That uh, this is what a biblical definition of the gospel would be, and I think that's another part where you know when you look at the key elements of the gospel—an announcement, a victory, a king—and mm-hmm. that someone you, you know you got to receive this announcement, right? Like you can't just hear it uh, and just like dismiss it. It, it, it you got to do something, mm-hmm. you, you know, with it, like because it, it's meant for you. It, it's meant to actually produce joy. Yeah. It's meant to produce celebration because something has been done. Yeah for the city, right? The mm. the people. Yeah. 
So I wanted to make sure I built the, you know, kind of that foundation, these elements, and, you know, and then obviously the foundation be scriptural too, because that's why I wanted to stress the royal nature of the offspring. Mm. Uh, and then the worldwide blessing too of that all, you know, because with Abraham, not only do you have the royal offspring element that kings will come from you, but that, you, you know, at some point there will be a king that comes from you that brings worldwide blessing. Mm. With David, the same thing. And then with Isaiah, he gives you a little bit more of a a, a picture of this of this offspring of this child and what this child will do in terms of again God's kingdom. Right. Um, and so, and then you see you see all that come to fruition and fulfillment in Jesus. So now you put it all together in the context of a Greco-Roman understanding of the word euangelion and you get a very robust I think definition of gospel. Yeah. So Yeah, and I would I would encourage us. I think we all need to um understand and be be able to define the gospel. I think having a an elevator pitch. Yeah. Because I I, I do think um to you know, to a world that that no longer, like we talked about before, um, understands what the the dots are. I, I don't think it would be an unusual question for somebody to just say, "What is the gospel?" Yeah, I've never heard that before. What is the gospel? How how will we answer it? Right? If we had ten seconds, if we had fifteen seconds, if we had thirty seconds to explain, it, I think it's really important for us to 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 have an understanding and be able to um, quickly and clearly. Explain it and then be ready to yeah expound well, on it exactly and but think think about the think about this definition mm-hmm. and again any of the you know any of these I mean brilliant people that uh, that have given a definition yeah. of the gospel this can be very offensive to people you're telling me that there's another king out there because that that's that that was one of the that was one of the issues with mm-hmm. the the spread of the gospel in first century because you have Rome is the superpower mm-hmm. who is centered around Caesar mm-hmm. who believed that he was the son of God yeah who was Lord okay so now you have a group of people that are rising in, in some sense numbers that are saying Caesar isn't ultimate king he's not the ultimate king there's another one uh, Jesus Christ who's the ultimate king so there therein lies kind of an offense right there yeah. so so again like for from a 21st century standpoint is that you're no longer in charge right or that you, you know religion is no longer in charge uh, you know Allah is no you know um or Muhammad like so they're no longer the supreme authority yeah Jesus is okay so so there's going to be an offense about that yeah then you you're going to look at this idea of the substitutionary death mm-hmm. and then resurrection. So people even got hung up with the resurrection. You're telling me like that that's that's foreign. Like uh so when you look even some of the Jewish leaders in the first century, so the Pharisees actually believed in the resurrection. They they so so that's not hard for them to believe and especially the fact that the, you know many of many of these Pharisees actually saw the risen Jesus but then there was a whole subset of uh, Jewish leaders called the Sadducees and they didn't believe in a resurrection which is why they were sad 
you see. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I had to do that just because, hey, that's funny. But Is it? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so they didn't even believe in the resurrection. But then when Paul's talking, uh, so I'm going to preach on Acts 17, Paul at Mars Hill for Easter. Oh, okay. And so when he brings up the resurrection, that's when they're like, oh, you've, you've just lost me. Yeah. Like, you mean somebody came back from the dead? Like, that, that's not, that was not even in their, their religious or spiritual repertoire. Like, they just, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, so that, that can be offensive. But then you also look at this idea of he's restoring, like, so every tribe, nation, tongue, and people group. So, yeah. so he's, he is kind of, you're, you're telling me he's creating a people yeah. that, that is they're going to be brought together yeah. and that there there's not going to they're not going to fight one another yeah like i mean that that's a little weird yeah all all of our enemies whoever whoever your enemy is yeah. it's included yeah <laughs> and then this idea okay in the last two things um is the the cosmos restoring the world and then but but really the the redemption and the restoration of the people and the world is coming because of this thing called sin. Mm-hmm. And again, that isn't that is an offense. Yeah. That you're telling me that I've done something wrong? Like in that that, that there's a God that's going to judge me because I've done well, yeah, because it, if it's true mm-hmm. that he is the the creator God who's created you for his purpose and you've and you've deliberately chosen to commit treason and rebellion against him. And so there therefore you've sinned. I mean that's what treason, rebellion. He's told you to do things, you haven't done them, and so therefore you've committed treason, rebellion rebellion against the creator, king, then yes, you have sinned. And so but but he's loved you. I mean, here's what he's loved you too much to leave you in your sin, which is why he, on his own accord and on his own account, has performed in a way to purchase, to redeem you from your sin. But but again, you have to get you got to get you know this is an offense where yeah you you saying I'm bad yeah that's what we're that, well here's the we're not saying that he's saying that. But he's saying, I've done something for you. And I mean, again, that's good news where you now, you don't have to work your way Mm. to God. You don't try, you don't have to try to perform uh, or to appease because that's where, like in the Greco Roman world, uh, you know, they, you know, they believe in a plethora of gods, you know, so that, you know, the whole mythology part, they had had gods for everything. But they also believed that gods were not really involved in day-to-day life. I mean, they were off kind of doing their thing. But, you know, occasionally they, they would kind of turn their attention, you know, and see what's going on. But they would – but they – the people thought that they would have to appease them, So, which is why they had temples, yeah. which is why they would do sacrifices. Hey, let's just make sure that we appease the gods so nothing bad happens to us. Yeah. You know, well, th- this is a whole different – Yeah. you know, yeah. so – but that that's the essence. I mean, again, I mean, so that definition, you can drill down yeah. on that definition in, in, in a host of ways. Well, it's, it's one of the – you know, we, we talk about the importance of understanding Scripture, but also understanding culture and the culture we're in. And I think what you're highlighting here is um, recognizing and having our eyes open to what will offend. Um, because a, a definition like that, I mean, man, four, five, six different things, um, well, could absolutely defend or offend people, yeah. right? And, and understanding 
why, right? Like having some, some empathy or some even like critically thinking about why that might be the case um, ahead of time, I think is, would be important for yep. us. And that's, you know, and this idea of offense, and I actually did offend probably a couple people this past weekend. I mean, I, I, I did get one email, but it, but it wasn't wasn't a, a, a hugely negative email, but it did did have an element of, of offense because I was telling everyone that based upon the gospel is that you don't have to do any other thing. You you ain't got to pray to a priest. You ain't got to say any Hail Marys. You don't, like, and, and that is, that's actually offensive to religious people. Like, well, no, 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 that I've always been taught that. Well, I, yeah. I hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you do not have to tell people they have to do what you do in order to be saved. Yep. And neither do you have to do those things to be saved. And we, we can talk a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, uh, something that I actually did learn, but we can talk about that in a second. You know, when it comes to these these Pharisees, these Jew, you know, these Jewish Pharisees that had placed their faith in Jesus. But anything else about you know, kind of the the gospel? But oh, I was going to say this um, is that when you drill down in these things, yeah. then you know, let let the gospel. And this is what Paul would say: let the gospel offend. Don't set up anything else that would be offensive. Yeah. Because the gospel is already going to be offensive. You know, so we have to make sure that we we let the gospel be offensive. We don't let what we put, these extra layers, become offensive. That That's the big picture of Acts 15, right? Yes. And that's what we can really, really learn from it. Um, man, that that's such an important point because our— our goal can't be to not offend. Our goal just needs to be that that we're not offending based on things that we're adding to the gospel. Yeah. But naturally the the gospel divides and the gospel will will offend and and having some wisdom and discernment in um in some areas where where that happens I think can can allow us to be um bold but sensitive. Yeah. Right. Um, you want to be you want to be caring, but not water down the truth. Right. Um, so it's f- fascinating to think about that in the, in the terms of you know have an elevator pitch of the gospel, how you would defend it, but like understanding, hey, there are several points in this that could very well offend. Yeah, and there one other thing too about the gospel and a definition because I I, I do. And I was I was writing all these scriptures down too. So if you actually wanted to go to the scriptures to find a written definition of the gospel, like where it's kind of in black and white by a biblical author, First uh-huh. Corinthians fifteen would be an excellent passage to go to. Because here's what Paul writes: For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also uh, as to one... Uh, abnormally born, Paul would say. Now, what's interesting about like, so he's going to define the gospel, but a lot of what he says there are the people who were there in Acts 15. Right. 
you know, the 500 people that he appeared to. James, he appeared to James, his brother, you know, so, so it is interesting that, yeah, he, you know, but, but here's the gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Hmm. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Uh, now, again, Christ. Christ is important. Again, Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. It means the Messiah, the anointed one. And when you go all the way back to the Old Testament, that there's therein lies this this, uh, this understanding mm-hmm. that there's something special mm-hmm. that that he has been anointed by God to do something. And so that's part of where he's the anointed high priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that means he's the one who has interceded on our behalf. He is the anointed king. Um, you, you know, so he's the one who rules and reigns, and so, so that's where the, that 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 term Christ is so important. So this is what, so this this is really important yeah. of what Paul's saying that this is the gospel that Jesus is the Christ, and according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. So, yeah, that would be a wonderful passage to uh, memorize. So yes, First Corinthians fifteen, verse three through eight. Three through eight. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so let's move on and look at this uh, this first question. Um, all of that was the uh, the prelude. <laughs> oh, it's so very important, though, right? Um, so that first uh, first point: the gospel is for all people, and thus will form a diverse community. So, in this section, you laid out for us um, a lot of different people and groups of people: Paul, Barnabas, the apostles, the elders, the Gentiles, Pharisees, Peter, and James. And you had really you pointed out in a, a statement that stuck out to me as you said no other religion in the history of the world has been able to create such a diverse community, and there's this unity through diversity. And when I think about and when I reread this passage, unity was really held high, um, even though they they duked it out, right? But w- you could really feel that they were. They were wanting to make sure that the church was was unified. You know, they wrote they wrote the letter and they sent it, and and um, it's just just fascinating to uh, to see that. And uh, something you have to, you know, we've talked about one thing you should fight for in the church is is unity. Yeah. Um, and in the, all of their diversity, we really see a a wonderful example of of them. Living that out, and us as Gentiles today, we are we are recipients of that. Yeah, we're, we should be grateful. Oh, very we should be grateful. grateful. Acts fifteen should hold a special place in our heart. Yeah, and and to know that God has not called us to uniformity mm-hmm. because there was nothing uniform about these people. No, they're very diverse. Yeah, like even if you look at the apostles or the disciples. All right, so you have uh, Simon the Zealot. So you you could see him as this nationalist yeah. that is a very violent person. He wanted to overthrow yeah. Rome. Yeah. But then you have Matthew. Yeah. He is a tax collector. And so he is a Jewish tax collector, which means that he was seen as a person who had committed treason against his own people and 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 aligned with the enemy. So those two people are hanging out together. 
There's a wonderful scene in The Chosen. Yeah. Where that happens. Yeah. Where he pairs them up. He pairs them up, and then people are like, what's going to happen? Like, because you, because Simon's just going to take him out. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, so uh, Simon's a bad dude, man. Like, right. uh, so, but, but you, ha- you have these people coming, you, you have these people from a diverse background coming together, being unified in Jesus. Yeah. Right, the gospel is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel, and so uh, you look at the Pharisees. I mean, they they were they were religious snobs. I mean, mm-hmm. had their nose stuck up, but but yet they are they're actually now gathering at least with with these, and they're even listening uh, mm-hmm. to Peter, yeah. listening to. Barnabas, they're seeing James as a, as the, in some sense, the quintessential leader of the, like, yeah. so that, that, you know, again, that, I, I can't even stress how powerful yeah. that just in, and that, you know, again, and what was interesting is that a lot of, you know, a lot of the things that I kind of listened to, this wasn't necessarily on their radar, but I'm like, you know, you see the diverse community right here. Yeah. But part of what, what precipitated this huge debate is they're getting a little concerned about them becoming too diverse. You know, so what do we well what do we tell these Gentiles? Because they are nothing like us. Right. You, you know, and so don't don't we gotta at least tell them, you know, so so but you got this huge group that has now been created not not too long after Jesus ascended back into heaven. And so it is so, so, so important to see this like well here, here. When when you read John seventeen, uh, people refer to John seventeen as the high high priest, uh, high priestly prayer of Jesus. Mm-hmm. What does he pray for? He prays that they may be one, that his his followers may be one, so that the world might know that you sent me. Mm-hmm. Because again, like when you look at the history of the world, like and I, you know, I'm a nerd, uh, you know, because sometimes sometimes Joni will walk past me and I'm I'm watching these docu series on you know Netflix now and. You like, know, like so history channel, like it, well, history. Channel. I was yeah. watching something on the History Channel, uh, you, you know, and that's funny. Love- but like Alexander the Great conquered, yeah. in some sense, the known world. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an appreciation for culture, but 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 the cult, you know, in some sense, the, these diverse cultures didn't mix. Mm. And what, what what was interesting about even this Alex, you know, Alexander the Great docu series that he had an appreciation for for the various cultures, and in some sense would take upon whatever the culture he was trying to conquer. But his own his own army, you know, his own uh, soldiers and 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 commanders within his army, they got really concerned with him because he's dressing like an Egyptian. Uh, he's becoming more of a, a Persian, and they're like, no, no, we are we are Macedonian, you, you know. So so again, they're, they're, so even though they're conquering this this kind of known world, yeah. There's not an integration. There's not a unity that is happening. And then with Rome, the whole idea of the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was like you get to do your own thing. Just don't 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 rock the boat because if so, we're going to come and you know stamp you out. You, right. you know, so so you can you can keep doing your thing. So there was this like false peace that Rome had conquered once again, kind of the the known world, and they occupied you know just an enormous piece of real estate that included so many different ethnicities, hmm. but they didn't mix. Hmm. You, 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 they were free 
you know, that, that was the whole thing about even the, 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 the church and the Christians coming up is that as long as you didn't, you know, as long as you didn't like mess with the peace of Rome, yeah. as long as you weren't a disturbance, yeah. Rome didn't care what you did. Yeah. Uh, but if you disturbed the peace of Rome, then they're going to come in with force mm-hmm. and put you back in line. So mm-hmm. in some sense, everybody was free to do whatever they wanted to do, mm-hmm. worship whoever they want to, so there was no integration. Mm-hmm. But when you start seeing the church and through the power of the gospel, uniting people from every tribe, nation, and tongue yeah, and happen. show it like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So like America, like – like so this american experiment that we have like one of the things that we are seeing even now because we are an immigrant country i mean that that was a, like so i'm watching a docu series because there's a re, there's a reason for it because of act 17 where i'm going in act 17 so you're doing research so i'm doing research i'm watching all these docu documentaries about the birth of america okay, okay so you know so you did have now what, what was fascinating too is like even the indigenous people native americans uh which is sad what 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 the immigrants did coming in ultimately, but they I, I was watching even one docu series where it was talking about how many of these native because again you have to understand like, at least from a biblical understanding uh, the origin of the world happened mm-hmm. over you know over there not here mm-hmm. and then through the Tower of Babel it, it was right. the scattering but uh but but in this particular docu series which is not a christian docu series uh they were talking about the land bridge between you know current day russia and alaska mm-hmm. how it was once a full on out land bridge and how native americans came uh, up through there and began to you know fl- you know kind of fill out and scatter in north america i'm like oh that's i mean you know i've never necessarily seen that but makes sense um so all of that though is like even in America we like like this is something that we're actually seeing how difficult it is. Like we no longer have a binding agent in our nation because we truly are a nation of immigrants and now just over 250 years later we have a whole host of various ethnicities coming into that we are losing the binding agent. So again, it is showing it is showing that it is extremely hard to unite diverse people under one banner and to celebrate their diversity. But Jesus does, which is, you know, again, part of what we look at in Acts 15. Just as an aside, uh, Seminole County Public Schools has over 100 countries represented. Wow. Just in Seminole County, our mm-hmm. our small county, and that's over a hundred languages represented too. So, um, you talk about the uh, the nations are here and the diversity. It's the it's the opportunity we have, and um, it's the wonderful opportunity that um, yeah, just the, the gospel will will take root in a unique way in every culture. Um, it will not discard culture. There will be aspects that it discards, but there will be aspects that um, people from that culture will will worship in a new, unique way. Yeah. Um, and we get to see a, a more um, a, a full um, a version or full experience and a little bit more of a glimpse of, uh, of what we'll experience in heaven. So, mm. um, so obviously these implications um, are, are massive when we talk about no other religion in the history of the world has been able to create such a 
such a diverse community. It is, um, it's really a strength of, um, of who, of who Jesus was and, uh, and the message of the gospel. Yeah. And like, so Laman Sane, uh, he is just a brilliant mind and, um, and he's written various books. He was a Yale professor. I think he's since passed away. But he talks about how Christianity not only forms a diverse community, but celebrates the diversity. Yeah. So, like, yeah. so, so take Islam for instance, and this is something I've I've shared, but you know, can in, in other settings, is that they 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 do spread that their understanding, their religion throughout the world. But if you're going to, if you're going to become Muslim, you have to take upon their culture. So they're they're not coming into a place and celebrating the diversity and and the culture there. They are making you to conform in a uniform way yeah. to their culture. Yeah, the prayers will be in Arabic. Yeah. 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 And so when you look at Christianity, you're going to come in. That that's why I'll just go ahead and say it and really try to be clear here. So so, you know, James, even Paul, uh, Peter, like, so the, the verdict in Acts 15 wasn't to the Jew, the, the Jew that came to faith in Jesus to stop being Jewish. Right. So, so they're not telling it. Now, now that's also why I wanted to go, because they did have a misunderstanding of their history. I mean, like even I mean, Jesus even saw that when he came on the scene, seeing how even the temple thing. I mean, they had yeah. completely just botched things up. So, so you have these Jewish believers now that they're not even interpreting the Old Testament correctly mm. because they're not even seeing the law correctly, mm. and and so that's why I wanted to drill down in that to show God's pattern of salvation, yeah. but. The verdict that day wasn't you need to stop being Jewish. It was to clarify that, hey, listen, circumcision does not save you. Mm -hmm. Adherence to the law does not save you. Only Jesus saves you. So if you want to continue to be circumcised, continue to be like if you wanted your children to be circumcised, continue circumcising your children. Just just let them know though that yeah. this circumcision is not salvific. It doesn't save them. It doesn't make them part of the people of God. And that all of these festivals and laws that they would adhere to, you know, these dietary restrictions, the kind of clothes that you have to wear, just let them know mm-hmm. that these do not save you. But hey, listen, if you want to continue to do them because you are Jewish, by all means, we're not asking you to lose your your cultural practices as long as you don't see your cultural practices as idolatrous and as the power to save or salvific, right? So that was a really huge eye-opener that I had here, but where they're so adamant, though, is just the clarification is that don't ask Gentiles to become Jewish. Yeah. Um, because again, like when you go into the Old Testament, though, and that's why I was really wanting to be clear is that salvation was always by faith yeah. through grace. Yeah. God didn't have to show up to Abraham. Yeah. God didn't have to show up to Moses and then send Moses. I mean that that is by 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 grace. Mm-hmm. You know that God's doing these. You know that, that He's doing these these savings right of Abraham and then Israel. Uh, but the circumcision 
is it's like, all right, it's an act of obedience. Now that I truly believe that Yahweh is my God and he's asked me, he's asked me, hey, this is a sign of our, our relationship is a sign. Yeah. Again, it, it's not a power thing to show, you know, it, it's not a power thing to to uh to save you it is a demonstration that you have been saved so i'm going to i'm going to circumcise and then i'm i'm going to adhere to a law now what's fascinating too about the law and and paul's going to draw this out and paul's uniquely qualified to draw this out why because he was a pharisee of pharisees like he was a he was a a, a leader of of Judaism before his conversion but he's going to draw out this understanding that when you look at the law and the 613 laws that the the people of of Israel had to adhere to they these laws were a tutor these laws were a teacher to point them mm. to their need for a Savior because they couldn't mm. do them. Yeah. And these laws were meant to be in place yeah. for that specific time for them to become distinct mm. among the nations. Mm. But they had a hard time living up to the law, which Peter actually talks about in, in, in his uh, speech. He's like, guys, what are we doing? Like, if right. you look back at our ancestors and you look at our own life, we cannot even keep we the law. We, we yeah. can't keep all 613 laws. Right. Why are we sitting there going to tell them that you got to keep all these laws to be safe? We can't keep them. So at the end of the day, if we can't even keep them, then and we're saying it sal- sal- salvific, meaning that these laws have the power to save, then we're lost. Yeah. Like, guys, come on now. Let's think about what we're doing here. Mm. And so, but in Jesus, this is, this is why it's so important. And the scriptures confirm this. In Jesus, he has fulfilled the, 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 uh, the uh, I say the, the qualify, you know, I say not the qualification, but he has uh, fulfilled the need to be circumcised mm. and he has fulfilled the, the, and when I say the the law, yeah. um, so that you no longer now things have shifted. Yeah. And the author of Hebrews is going to talk about this, and he's going to go at extreme lengths to show how now things have shifted because the author of Hebrews is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. And what he's trying to show is that now the old covenant the old way of doing things have been fulfilled in Jesus, and now a shift has taken place mm-hmm. where now we're taking upon what Jesus has done and taking upon his life. Mm-hmm. Now, what we'll see next week, though, is that there are some things that are still intact when it comes to the moral law. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, and I'll, I'll get into that next week because now. When we are in Jesus, sure, after he saves us, something happens, but the, the clarity was is that you don't have to be Jewish in order to be saved. Um, and that was a huge shift for yes. these um, these Jews that had put their faith and trust in Jesus. It was. It was. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to make this a, a part one and part two. Um, next week, we are going to finish up a few of the points um, from this sermon that we didn't quite get to today. Those are the uh, the gospel might get confused by some in that community. We'll talk about high bar and low bar, and also the gospel would need to be clarified in that community so that they don't hinder people from being saved. We'll talk about how the 
how one is saved um, um, by the gospel. And then obviously we'll we'll dig into this um, this next message a little bit, which talks about the what happens after you get the yeah what happens after you place your faith and trust in the gospel. It's the second part of of Acts fifteen. If you are if you're reading reading this as a story, you would just you know keep reading past nineteen because you can't wait to see what happens, and that's yeah. that's essentially where where we'll get to next week is uh, is the result. Yep. Now that the gospel takes root, then then what happens? Amen. Well, thank you so much, Northland family and friends, for tuning in to another episode of Extra Takes. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.